Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. The main show, yes, very excited. Oh Janine, I'm so excited today. Why do you think I'm so excited? Because we're talking a Betty Davis film. A film That is one reason, yes. That also features Vincent Price. <laughs> that is another reason, yes. There are basically, there are many reasons. (laughs) Yes. There are many reasons why Morgan would be excited today because he gets to talk. I don't know why I'm talking in the third person. I get to talk about this glorious piece of movie making that we're talking about today, Janine, on episode 159 of the main show. Yay! Woohoo! I discovered that this viewing for you of this movie was a a first time of a couple of people, maybe just one person, but certainly yes. one notable person. Yes, it was. As I, I, you know, we have that to look forward to in the discussion, I think. We are, of course, talking today about uh, the private lives of of Elizabeth and Essex. And no, that is not literally what we're talking about. That's a movie title. I miss when you could title movies like this, Janine. I wasn't even alive, but I miss when movies, when you could title movies like this. You know full well that if there was a movie made today about the supposed love affair between Elizabeth I and Robert the Earl of Essex, or Robert, what's his name, Devereux, the Earl of Essex, right? Yeah. It would be called, it, well, it wouldn't be called The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex because that's too on the nose for today's titling public. You yeah. either have to be incredibly direct by calling it basically Elizabeth I and her lover, Robert the Earl of Essex, which you could get away with calling it. I think they would probably go more simple and just say Elizabeth and Essex. I think they're being... Yeah, but that's not as fun, is it? I don't think that's as fun. Which is why they would do it. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. The private lives of Elizabeth and Essex makes it sound alluring, Janine. I mean, for me, it just makes it sound like a, a reality show. Scandal. A little bit, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, it might. We're not gonna. We're not gonna lie. That this movie falls into the. Let's take historical people that existed, and a supposed uh, belief about them, a scandalous belief usually, and uh, let's make it the focus of our entire movie. Basically, the exact same thing that something like Tower of London does with Richard III mm-hmm. and The Lion in Winter does with Henry II and, and uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Yes, these people existed. Yes, they had conversations and, and relationships of, of some degree with each other. And rumors of certain scandals and rumors of certain relationships, but none of it was ever really confirmed. Exactly. So there are liberties taken, which I think is kind of fun. (laughs) And that's where we're dealing in today's movie and in today's episode. It's from 1939. It's Errol Flynn. It's Betty Davis. It's Olivia de Havilland. And God damn it, it's Vincent Price as well. 
<laughs> because why? Why would it not be Vincent Price? Why would Vincent Price not show up in an Elizabeth the First movie in the late thirties? A painfully young Vincent Price as well, I yeah. must say. He's unlike what we used to seeing Vincent Price in. But before we get into the uh, the main part of today's discussion, Janine, what day is it? It is Patreon shout out day. Yay! That was a that was a that was a slightly more timid yay than than I was going for there. <laughs> the yay did not match the singing of Patreon shout out day. Yes. Nor did it match my excitement that it is Patreon shout out day because we love the patrons, Janine. We do. If you would like to become a Patreon, a patron, I always get them confused. I can't <laughs> do it. It's been so long, and I still do it, and I, it's just ingrained in my brain now, and I can't. I can't. <laughs> anyway, if you would like to join the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon, you can do that. Just type It's a Wonderful Podcast into Patreon. You'll find it. Find the tier that's right for you. If you're feeling so particularly generous, we've got a whole bunch of fun stuff going on over there. And these people enjoy it. And we are very grateful for them for enjoying it, if that makes any sense. I hope yeah. it does. Thank you to Maxwell Haddad. And thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Jennings brother, Justin Nineties Comics Box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Adelaide. Thank you, Corey Morissette. Thank you, Christina Farrow. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you to Dr. Megs, Megan McCurley. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Steve. Thank you, Jake Yacoveta. Thank you, Samia Tesfai. Thank you to Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fees. Thank you, Dwayne Burke. Thank you, Adam Collins. Thank you, Delisha Butler. Thank you to GG. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shaped Channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And thank you, of course, to Billy Pollahan. Yay. 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 Patrons. Wonderful people. Yes. Janine, 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 Janine. Yes, Morgan. Private <laughs> Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. Do you like movies that are like this, that, you know, take historical situations and then just decide to go, yeah, we're going to roll with the scandal? Uh, yes, I think I do. Um, movies particularly about historical things are not something that I'm completely drawn to. Like I'll watch them and typically I'll end up enjoying them, but they're not something like, Oh, a new historical <laughs> drama is out. I'm going to rush to go see it. Does um, this go for like any not... type, any period in history or is it just like the, the kind of relative centuries ago? Yeah. Like, what about more... like early 20th century? It's more kind of this vein of like medieval time type okay. type history that I'm not super drawn to, but usually when I watch a movie from this kind of time, I enjoy it. Uh, so I'm also somebody who, you know, 
likes kind of gossipy intrigue and things like that in shows and movies and stuff. So that added element definitely got me excited about this movie. And uh, I like the idea of kind of taking something like a gossip or a rumor that had been going around about these people and giving us an insight of how, what that might've looked like. So I really think that's kind of a fun way of looking at these real life people. Um, So that definitely made it extra enjoyable for me to come at it from this almost reality show, (laughs) like type, uh, you know, uh, vibe. So I, I was really into that. It's a good angle to come into these movies with to be yeah, honest, because juicy. I think it's the, it's the it's the angle that they're going for by making the movie in the first place. Yeah, it's it's banking on enough people knowing this rumor, basically, yeah. isn't it? And and just and then being somewhat interested in seeing what potentially the details of it were. Yeah, because like you said, we don't know. We don't know. There's no confirmation that, you know, Elizabeth I and Robert Devereux, the Earl of Essex, were ever lovers or in some sort of love-hate relationship that caused significant issues. Maybe it just, maybe events just happened. Uh, I mean, look, Elizabeth I is known as the Virgin Queen. She she had no heirs when she died. So it had to go to a Scottish cousin, you know, and then that's when England and Scotland became merge together so that was a good thing or a bad thing depending on who you ask politics <laughs> historical yeah. politics but i've always been into these kind of movies particularly of this kind of time like the tudor time elizabeth the first you know henry the eighth that time Mainly, I think, because it was so drilled into us all as children well, in yeah. history class. Because movies like this are kind of telling your history of, you know, where you're from. So definitely, I can see you having a more inherent interest in stories like this because it's things that you kind of know. And then to give it a different kind of twist and angle makes it kind of new for you. Yeah, it does. It it. It adds a little bit. It, it does. It, it adds a little bit of extra intrigue, a little bit of extra something to think about, rather than just the basic facts of history. You know, it can, it can actually be quite a good way of introducing children, like I guess children, to this these kinds of periods in history through you know, a somewhat fictional movie or a mostly fictional movie or a mostly fictional TV show because a lot of the stuff that's in there will be relatively accurate and, and the, certainly the, the feel of it will be relatively accurate, you know, to, to the time. And it can get... I think stuff like this can get people very interested in, in periods in history. You think of shows like uh, Vikings or The Last Kingdom or something like that. And how many people do you think have watched those shows and then gone, I really I really want to read up on Vikings now? Yeah. You know, you, you think it, it gets you like that. It gets you like that. Um, but I, I was always a big fan of history anyway. And obviously, England has a fairly rich history. Mm-hmm. 
um, both good and bad, <laughs> but conveniently, obviously, education kind of glosses over the evils. Yes, or the things that were just kind of talked about scandals. Of course, they're not going to print those things as actual <laughs> factual history. Well, no, no, they're not. I was more thinking along the lines there of um, colonialism. And oh, yes. Being horrible to native peoples. Yes, those things te tend to be glossed over or, you know, shined up to look pretty or, you know. <laughs> Which is a a terribly British thing, isn't it? Well, Invading as we... <laughs> other people's lands. Yeah, so as we know, that is also inherently a thing of <laughs> the people from here as well. So, <laughs> yeah, both of our, both of our history tends to get watered down and, and glossed Terrible. The, the bad things. Terrible. Yes. If we just learned more about the wacky bits, maybe we'd be more open to learning about the actual evil bits as well. Yes. So, sure, for all intents and purposes, Elizabeth I and Robert Devereux, the Earl of Essex, had a years-long love-hate love affair. And it caused beheadings. Yes, I mean, aside from the beheadings sadness. part, that's, that's what definitely made it feel very much like a soap opera. Um, just the kind of on-again, off-again type romance and the love hates and them coming back to each other and you know exchanging very terrible words and slapping each other in public and things like that definitely um felt like a uh a, a e <laughs> reality show for sure <laughs> i think you're doing it, this movie <laughs> disservice Jimmy. <laughs> i mean it 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 did it did not feel that way at all to you like <laughs> A bit, a bit of a like. I'm not saying the acting was bad. The acting was great. Um, well, maybe that's a thing but for me. There were moments that felt very much like a really good trashy reality show. Maybe, maybe that's a thing for me. Maybe bad soap opera or just soap opera in general or trashy reality show. I, I just inherently view as very very poor quality production and, and acting and, and kind of making no. whereas this so, is anything but i'm comparing it in that way just in the behavior story. of the characters and the story not right. the production not the performances all of that gave everything that much more of a grand feel so it was, it was very elevated in that way but the drama that was happening between these two characters felt very much like a trashy reality uh, show or a soap opera <laughs> I, I i i think that's fair that that is fair let's talk about like the, these two characters then okay. janine because i first Mar morgan's first question janine this is your first ever errol flynn movie yes what do we think of Errol Flynn? I like him very much. He definitely has a strong presence. He's very nice to look at. Um, yeah, he is definitely very dynamic. So I would, I would, I'm surprised I haven't seen more with him being on this show for as long as I've been on this show. Um, because I think you've probably already done all his notable movies already before I came oh, no, along. We have, we have done a couple. We have done a couple. I think this might be Errol Flynn's third appearance. Okay. Well, I don't think he's had any more than that. I remember doing 
Adventures of Robin Hood, and I remember doing Captain Blood on this show, but but I think this this might be only Errol Flynn's third appearance. Yes, he definitely conveyed a, a lot of pain for having to kind of be pulled back and forth by this woman. Um, the frustration of her just not understanding that he could love her, because we get a little bit of all about Eve Betty Davis. I know I complained about her stubbornness, just yes. like being her own worst enemy and ruining a perfectly good thing for her. And that frustration was kind of creeping in here as well, because she was doing very much of the same thing. She had this man who loved her, who's a good man and noble and everything. And she just couldn't let herself believe that he really loved her completely. Well, the thing, the thing different here is, She's the queen. Exactly. She mentions several times that she is not allowed the luxury of friendship or love or a relationship, but then she lets herself kind of fall into these moments of loving him and then yeah. quickly kind of has to course correct herself and remember what she is meant to do. Um, it's so, a very tough yes. situation. It's very well performed, so obviously. I do, I do feel more for her in this role than I did for her in All About Eve because All About yeah. Eve, she really didn't have anything to lose in loving that man and you know really accepting that she had everything she needed. Here, you know, she is the queen, so she has a lot more responsibility. She has more to do. Yeah. She has a presence to uphold and all of these things. So the pressure is there, and if she succumbs to loving somebody, that could tarnish her reputation and how people see her and people you know, thinking they can manipulate her in other ways and things like that and open her up and the country up to all kinds of situations, negative situations. So there is a huge responsibility there. Um, given to her trying to love this man. So I yes. liked that added element. So while I did ha kind of have those early frustrations of, oh, he loves you. Like, why can't you just believe that? Like I did with All About Eve. I did realize that, yes, there were definitely a lot more stakes going on here that made it much more complicated and much more interesting to watch and see how this was going to play out. Yeah, I just like that this movie is really more of a showcase of Errol Flynn being quite a, dram a dramatic romantic actor rather yeah. than a action-adventure romantic actor, yeah. which is obviously he's, he's most what he's well known, known for being a swashbuckler, mm -hmm. isn't he? So, so that is the archetype of action-adventure romantic is a swashbuckler who, yes. you know, is Robin Hood. He's, he's, he's the perfect Robin Hood. Yeah. And he is the perfect Robin Hood. There is no better Robin Hood movie than his Robin Hood movie. Come at me, people. There isn't. Yeah. It's the best one. Because he is, he is incredibly dynamic, but he's not really showing that in this movie because it doesn't require him to show that. Yeah. There's a couple of battle scenes, okay, sure, with like the Irish people. And that sort of thing, who, by the way, that one particular Irish lord who in no way is remotely Irish. <laughs> yeah. And he's putting that. on the worst it's Irish accent, accent I've ever heard. <laughs> it, it's perfect. But I like how he's able to kind of slow down a bit in his performing in this movie. 
Yeah. Because he's not having to kind of be dashing and charming and witty and quippy and kind of leaping about the place all the time. Yeah. Like he is in a swashbuckler. He's much more reserved. Qu- in, reserved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he, he's. It's a very talky movie, isn't it? There's a lot yeah. of talking in this movie. That's not a bad thing. That's just what the movie is. Um, but I like that he's he can he shows in this movie that he's able to be that much more dramatically romantic as opposed to slightly kind of charming romantic, charming, easy, quick romantic, you know? There's yeah. there's levels to this romance in this movie that you don't necessarily get with Maid Marion, you know? Yeah. There's, there's actual kind of deep intermingling situations going on here rather than just simple hero love interest. Yeah. It ain't that. It ain't that. And stop that, the villain. Stories credit. Yeah. <laughs> and save yeah, stop the, the villain. <laughs> it ain't that. Yeah. Um, that is the credit of the story. So I really, really, really like him in this movie. I do. And it obviously should go without saying, if Errol Flynn and Vincent Price weren't already obviously in the Mustache Hall of Fame, this movie just elevates their status. <laughs> yes. <laughs> obviously. Very good mustaches. Um, Betty Davis was actually only, what, 30-ish at the time of this. She shaved her, her hairline, hairline back. I heard that, yeah. back. And it really works. The kind of, the age up into playing this kind of 50-something, maybe even 60-year-old Elizabeth I is really quite good. Yeah. Makeup wise, and kind of you know, certainly performance wise, and obviously, this is Betty Davis, she can do whatever the hell she wants yeah. and it'd be successful. Um, but if you look at Betty Davis in this movie, and you look at Betty Davis in what happened to Baby Jane, <laughs> much difference in appearance, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's what, what what's that? Let, let's figure that out. That's 23 years. Yeah. Right? That's that's a long time. Mm-hmm. So, so she was actually the, the the, around the age she was in that movie. She's playing that age here. Yeah. But I actually think Betty Davis is a pretty good romantic actress herself, to be honest with you. She's much more painfully romantic yes, than Errol Flynn. I was going to say that. <laughs> But um, she's good at it. Yes, like we get so few moments where she kind of just lets herself be lighthearted and free and happy and smiley when you know you see her with Errol Flynn and um, allowing herself to have those moments with him, only to kind of turn around and realize, oh no, I can't, and I'm too old. There's no way he could ever love me with all these young, beautiful women here, and you know. And then she kind of talks herself out of it so that she can have a reason to not focus on that and focus on being the queen. Um, so it, it's definitely, she always does kind of have that pain of not believing she's worthy of loving somebody. Or if somebody actually, you know, she does find herself loving somebody. She always finds, I find her in the movies I've seen her in have an excuse to kind of push it away. Yeah. And um, it comes from her 
insecurities, I guess. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time it comes from his, her insecurities. Or I suppose in this in the movie in, in this movie's case, it's a mix of insecurities and what's good for the realm. Yes. Because like I just can't stop myself from comparing to other things like that we have discussed um on the yeah. show like all about eve and a stolen life we've seen her yeah. fall in love and then only to really not trust it and feel very insecure about it in the stolen life it was this insecurity of her sister coming in and taking that love away from her so she was always hesitant about not being good enough for that person to love her and same thing with all about eve this young woman coming in and her thinking that the man she's with is going to leave her for Eve, younger Eve, because she's older and she can't be secure in that. Um, But like I said, this version of that same insecurity has this added layer of, you know, having this huge responsibility. Um, So it definitely makes it uh, more interesting to watch, I think, Um, but very still the similar vein of what we've seen of her. So that frustration for me is always there when she just can't, trust in somebody loving her but it's also very relatable because we all kind it of is. have insecurities like that so while i can get mad at her for being like he loves you stupid like just let him love you like the romantic in me is like that but um also i can relate to those feelings of just feeling insecure and always wondering well does he really love me how could he really love me when this more beautiful thing is here um yeah so well, yeah, I, she definitely is able to tap into um, insecurity very well. She is, and she, and, and she make you is. make you feel that. So I always love that about her. She's very good at it. Very very good at it. Perfect at it. Let's talk some then about the perceived nice younger face, Janine. Which is of course this is an Errol Flynn movie. It is physically impossible to have <laughs> an Errol Flynn movie without Olivia de Havilland. Havilland. Mm-hmm. Um, the great Mr. Havilland, who, of course, sadly passed away last year at 104 years old. Yes. Um, which was very and- sad. We were all mortified at that news. I was. Well, this was the first thing I've ever seen her in. Um, and I wasn't super okay. familiar with her. Until we watched, uh, you know, our our good friend, I like to call her, um, Be Kind Rewind. She has some amazing videos and does these video essays about old Hollywood and actors and these kinds of deep dives into old Hollywood actors. So yeah. I kind of really got into her videos and watching them, you know, because I don't know the history of kind of old Hollywood as well as you. So, you know, it's definitely something that interests me. Um, and so I really got into a lot of her videos and she did a whole video talking about Olivia de Havilland and, um, yeah, so she kind of put her on my radar and I realized just how kind of big she was in the old Hollywood world. Uh, so yeah, this was definitely the first time I'd seen her in anything, but I had become fairly familiar with her, um, up to this point. So. Well, that makes sense to me because you want to, you don't see Gone with the Wind no <laughs> no um and you've not seen another errol flynn movie so realistically i, I don't think you would have seen olivia de Havilland in, yeah. in, in anything <laughs> else realistically no. uh, they're certainly the kind of the starting off points yeah. for olivia de Havilland, i suppose but she's great i really like her and in this she's playing a kind of 
lovesick younger lady in waiting almost i suppose yeah who is just infatuated with essex um not the place the person because that's <laughs> yes. how they refer to him and as. in the uh trashy soap opera she would be the best friend who is trying to steal her best friend's boyfriend <laughs> character <laughs> Possibly, yes, because she is a lady in waiting to the queen, and they have nice games of chess together, of which I found absolutely hilarious. Because when Betty Davis and Olivia de Havilland are playing a game of chess, the chessboard looks beautiful, by the way, it's really big and grand and lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Betty Davis keeps just insisting that Olivia de Havilland, oh, come on, get on with it, move, 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 get on with it. Olivia de Havilland wins pretty easily. And then Betty Davis flips just the gets board. mad and flips the board over. <laughs> it's funny. We've all flipped the board of a board game, Janine. Maybe you haven't because you're very good at them. But everybody else has. I mean, I do get very aggressive when I play video, when I play board games, but I've never flipped the board. So, <laughs> flipping the board that. is a staple of playing board games. Yeah. Not chess, though. I wouldn't flip a chess board. That's a bit extreme there, Queen Elizabeth the First. Yeah. You know, I don't, not, not too sure whether she would have done something like that in real life. But who are we to know? We weren't there. Yeah. We weren't. <laughs> Maybe she did used to flip the chessboard. I don't know. I just found that hilarious. But uh, yeah, Olivia de Havilland's playing Lady Penelope, I think her name is. Mm -hmm. um, who, yeah, is, is kind of... She acts as... Well, she acts as the insecurity for Betty Davis, really. Yeah, just right She doesn't necessarily <laughs> have much to do of her own. Sure, there's some nice interactions between her and Betty Davis, some nice interactions between her and Errol Flynn, obviously. They always have good chemistry together. And there's clear, you know, there's a, there's a fondness from Essex to Penelope and Penelope to Essex, sure, but it's not quite of the same deep level that, you know, well, the yeah. Queen and Essex have. Well, what makes me kind of see her as the kind of best friend trying to steal her her friend's man is just the whole scene where she kind of goes up to Essex and tells him, you know, are you, you can't trust her. She's crazy. She's just going to hurt you. She's going to lead you to demise. Be with me. Yeah. I, I love you and I'll take care of you. You know, she'll betray you. She's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, going to him and telling him all the reasons why, you know, she feels like he's going to get hurt by her and, you know, don't trust her. You know, she's going to break your heart. I would never do that to you. And this whole kind of pleading with him to, you know, not be yeah. with the queen and be with her. So that whole scene definitely gave me all of those uh, sensibilities of uh, the friend trying to, trying to uh, take her friend's man. <laughs> Speaking of the insecurities, I don't actually just think the insecurities are on, you know, the queen's part. I think old Errol Flynn, Essex, has insecurities of his own with none other than Vincent Price. Yeah. <laughs> or as he's playing Sir Walter Raleigh, or as my favourite ever description of Walter Raleigh is again 
Um, I can't remember the last time I did this, but I'm going to refer. Oh, it was actually on this week's episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen talking about Saved. So go and listen to that if you haven't. I'm going to reference Blackadder again, where in the second series of Blackadder, Blackadder refers to Walter Raleigh as Sir Walter, ooh, what a big ship I've got to Raleigh. <laughs> Which is my favourite description of Walter Raleigh that I've ever heard. Um, because he he was apparently a little bit of a show-off. Yes. Because like he was it. such an accomplished naval officer, you know? <laughs> oh, yes, and there was a whole scene about his armour, just kind of embarrassing the, yeah. him about... Got all this his... silver-plated armour. <laughs> and everyone's like, ooh, look at you with your fancy armour. <laughs> like, and they, there's this cares. whole scene. Yes, I'm just mocking him for it. Um, And then him and Elizabeth kind of laughing about how they just, like, shamed him. And he just like ran away. Um, he that was great. He doesn't have he doesn't have much to do. Does Vincent Price in this movie? No, <laughs> barely says a word. When he does, obviously it's lovely. It's Vincent Price putting on a little bit more of an English voice. Sure, it's nice. It's cool. It's Vincent Price. Yes, I would have loved him to to be doing more. To be honest, yeah. But again, he acts as a little bit of something in the back of the mind for the two big players, really, yeah. doesn't he? Um, he is... Because he, he kind of... He wants to be with the Queen himself. Let's call yeah. it what it is. He does. But he wants that to, to gain even more rank in society. Yes. That's he's why not, he wants that. He's not deeply in love with her like Essex. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I love how most things you will watch that have Sir Walter Raleigh in them just portray him as a real power-hungry show-off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to me because he's just, just such a a well-known kind of yeah, respected so... figure, I suppose. But a lot of the things are just like, yeah, he was a bit of a tool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that probably is one, one of a uh, few things in here that were maybe actually true. If many depictions quite, kind quite of possibly. really drill that point home of him yeah. being kind of a show off. Quite possibly. I do find the silver armor thing quite funny because he's yeah. so proud of it. Yeah. Oh, so he, he comes in and he's he's getting ready to everybody wants to gawk and stare and gasp and he, he's ready for all of that. And he just gets made fun of. <laughs> he just gets made fun of. And then everybody else comes in in silver armor as well. And he's just like, this is nothing special. I went and got it yesterday. <laughs> yes. What are you talking about, Walter? <laughs> Get out. Yeah. But I think he actually great. does pose some level of, of insecurity for, for Essex because other people tell Essex that. Oh, well, you've got to keep your eye out for Walter Raleigh. You know, he's after the Queen as well. And then he, all of a sudden, Essex is like, what? <laughs> I won't have this. Yes, she's mine. Run, run, run to the Queen and all that business. Mainly, it's it's Francis Bacon, who's also in the movie. That's Oh, that's the, that's the, the person. That's the real person. Played by Donald Crisp, okay. who's kind of playing both sides a little bit. He's old Francis Bacon. Yes. Um, He's cool. He's cool as well. He's got a he's got a nice mustache. Should we put Donald? No, he's got a beard actually, hasn't he? He's got a beard in the movie. 
Francis yeah, Bacon. We already have two mm. very excellent mustaches in this film. We do, we do. Henry Stevenson's also in the movie. He's pretty cool, but he also has beard. <laughs> I think he's the one who plays Olivia de Havilland's dad. But he, I think it's, I think it's a dad. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of small, small characters in the movie who you're going to have to be seriously paying attention and seriously know your history to understand. And yeah. I'm just kind of the kind of person that likes this history and likes this movie. Yeah, so I do find myself really having to focus in on movies like this just because I, I you know want to understand the relationships and why maybe this person is backstabbing this person because it could mean something for their future on a throne or whatever. Yeah. So it's always kind of a lot for me to really focus in on and kind of know the relationships and why people are doing the things they're doing because there's always this, you know, there's a huge hierarchy kind of idea to these movies. So you really kind of want to know who's who and why you know what motivates them because of who they are and who they're related to yeah. who they interact with do you feel like you did get that um i think i got it for the most part but you know i think it was easy to focus most of your attentions on the the core center of essex and the queen kind of and their whole romance and their back and forth and then people trying to come in and pull them apart so i think you know, the other kinds of things happening around weren't really as important as they made the core so story. So, yeah, I was going to say. To. So even if like I missed a couple of things kind of going on outside of that, it was because I was really invested in these central characters and this romance. And um, ultimately, there's a point where... Um, Olivia de Havilland's character does try to, you know, team up with other people who want to see the queen fail and manipulate um, their relationship when he is away. Um, yeah. They block his letters to her and vice versa. Yeah. So they're writing all these love letters to each other about how they miss each other and things like that. And people are intercepting them and they're not getting them. So he thinks that she's just abandoned him out there and she thinks that he doesn't love her anymore and maybe has found somebody else while he's away. So this hate kind of builds in between them um, while they're apart uh, because of people meddling. So um, definitely kind of was focused on those two for sure and people trying to kind of mess with their dynamic uh, that's yeah. already very tumultuous to begin with. So that was interesting enough, I think, for me to just kind of keep my focus there. Fortunately, the movie also thinks that. You yeah. know, the movie, it doesn't throw you three subplots to have to deal with. Yeah. It's not interested in that. It's interested in what it's saying on the title of the movie. Yeah. You know, that, that is what it's into. That is what it's on about. That's what it is about. Um, I should give, actually, a, a good shout-out to Michael Curtis, who obviously directs the movie, mm -hmm. who directed a lot of Errol Flynn movies, <laughs> and also Casablanca. Oh, yeah. So he, he's monumentally accomplished Michael Curtis. I really enjoy him as a director, um, mainly because 
I think he likes using glorious technical. <laughs> he does. Apart from Casablanca, obviously. But he likes using glorious technical. Um, Did you like the color here? It was perfect. It was perfect. 30s technicolor is my favorite technicolor because it's not necessarily fully defined 50s technicolor 30s is still kind of somewhat the early days of technicolor you know the late adventures of robin hood 1938 is obviously a full technicolor extravaganza yeah and you know that's michael curtis and this is the year after um 1939 you know obviously you have got gone with the wind as well as possibly the most significant technical movie i would say the wizard of oz in 1939 yeah as well yes it happened before these dates sure but the late 30s i think is is prime technical so i love the color in this movie it just it makes me feel like I'm watching a movie. And that's what I want. I don't want to feel like I'm sat there in a castle. I want to feel like I'm watching a movie about people in a castle. <laughs> and I like that. You know? Yeah. I, I've all, I always like that. Um, Technicolor has always done that because it's, it's so unrealistic colour. You know? Everything's way too bold and bright. all the time but it's as a spectacle it's perfect yeah and let's be fair while this movie wants to be a a a a look at this supposed rumor affair sure like i said before it's also trying to lure an audience in this movie was successful so it was it was successful because it successfully lured an audience in on the on the title and the promise of ooh scandal, but also on glorious technicolor. Come and see big screen, full color, bang! There you go. Yeah, I think it adds to the grand production of the whole thing because yes, you're you are in these kind of grand set pieces and places, and people are giving these very bold performances. So I think just the added color. Um, yeah, just definitely adds to the pop of the the greatness of this whole production. And from from that point, the uh, a few of the Oscars that this movie was nominated for is best color cinematography, Ooh. best art direction, and best effects. Okay. Uh, it also got a an Oscar nominee for best sound recording and best music scoring. Okay. Didn't win any, but they were nominated. Yeah. You can see why. From a visual standpoint, it's yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful, but I expect nothing less from Michael Curtis, to be honest with you. I really don't. Knowing a, a, a enough of his movies like I know them, I don't yeah. expect anything anything other than than that from from him. And then, to add on that, you just get the powerhouse performances, the great two little, admittedly, side characters, or your, you know, kind of, you know, supporting cast, 
of Olivia de Havilland and Vincent Price, who may not do a lot, but it's still Olivia de Havilland and Vincent yes. Price. <laughs> so you're still excited and they still give it their all. Yeah, they know that they have a small part in this bigger thing, but they're still putting in the work and they're still selling these characters um, with the time that they have. And you'd see that. Yeah. So, Janine, the ending of this movie, would it, does, is this where you go for your <laughs> Betty Davis, please realize what's going on? Yes. Praise uh, again. The, the stubbornness is <laughs> at a frustrating level for me at the end of this. Um, but yes, again, I do give her a bit of a pass because of her being the queen and what she has to uphold and what she has to look like to the people. However, she has to kill him. <laughs> I don't think she does because, you know, the people were crying out in the streets so harshly that they were like, we need to, you know, use force out here to back these people away because they yeah. are calling for you not to kill him. So on one hand, I see that she kind of going back on her word would make her look weak. Maybe people yeah. trying to manipulate that around her, saying that she can easily be, you know, manipulated because yeah. of a sob story or you know, because of emotions, she's a woman, you know, mm -hmm. can you, we can use that to our advantage. So I see that side of it. But also, I think it's a good thing to look merciful to the people who are, you know, that who you're ruling over. Um, yeah. On top of the fact that this is the man that you love. <laughs> this is a man that you love above so much, who loves you above so much. And you not believing, even after Olivia de Havilland is telling you um, the truth, that he did love you. He wasn't, he yeah. did write you. He, you know, he didn't forget you. It was me in intercepting his letters because I was jealous of you. Um, and her still trying to find some excuse as to why he couldn't really love her. I'm too old and you're young. And so he would love somebody like you. He couldn't dare really love somebody like me. So even getting the truth, she still convinces herself that there's some reason that he doesn't love her. Why hasn't he come to her and, and begged yeah. for her not to kill him? Because he hasn't broken first. It's like, who who is going to break first in this fight and apologize first? That is definitely, I think, a lot of people in relationships can can relate to. That who, you know, we have this huge fight, who is going to be the first to break and and see it as a winning thing, you know, instead of just resolving the situation and moving forward together. Um, there's this huge stubbornness of a fight and who's going to win and who's going to, you know, speak up first. And so then when she realizes the letters were sent and, you know, that was a whole farce that he really did love her. And he was really sending her letters. She still is finding this other excuse. Well, he didn't come beg to me first. He expects me yeah. to go to him first and, you know, and show my hand. Uh, so then that stubbornness was just pride. so frustrating and pride. Yes. Like drove me insane. Um, and I can understand why it reminds me. It reminds me a little bit, Janine, of uh, Queen Christina with Gre with Greta Garbo that we covered. Was it you? Was it I was on it with Nolan. you or was that a Nolan, Nolan week? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Queen Christina, 1933, which we did during pre-Cold March with Greta Garbo. Now, at the end of that movie, 
Greta Garbo's Queen Christina is like, okay, you've got the dude who you love, who's from Spain, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can be queen. There's there's the choice there. What does she do? She abdicates the throne. She decides, no, no more queen. I've had enough. Yeah. And you can't do that. You can't, everybody, yeah, I'm out. That's what she does. Queen Elizabeth doesn't do that. No. Queen Elizabeth Queen Elizabeth doesn't do that. Queen Elizabeth just goes, um she she turns into her father and goes off with his head like the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. She doesn't directly say that, but she does a little bit say that. You know. Beheading. Because neither of them refuse to kind of give up their pride that seems to be more important to the both of them in that which moment. is nonsense it's silly yes and it feels very silly to see kind of them and obviously how much they care about each other throughout the course of this film um despite you know arguments and fights and them always finding a way to come back together you think okay well maybe this one they will come out of but the pride has built up too much to this point that, you know, he doesn't speak up because of his pride. She doesn't speak up because of her pride. Um, What are we supposed to do? So then she just has to go with it and execute her love. And uh, it's just, we don't see it. (laughs) We We don't don't see it. We don't see it. It it all happens completely off screen. We know exactly what's happened. We're left with knowing that it's happening or about to happen, and we're left with the most isolating, dark, depressing spotlight shot of Betty Davis from across the hall, and she's just this tiny little figure on the far wall. Nothing else about in shadowy darkness. It's so miserable and grim, I love it. And then, I mean, if you think there's a winner in the situation, then I guess the winner would be Essex because she now has to he, live. She's dead. <laughs> she, oh, he's dead. He's dead. So it's done for him. But she now has to live with that decision. She now has to live with the fact that she let her pride, you know, let her love die. So I think the real winner, well, the real winner is uh, Sir Walter. Ooh, what a big ship I've got, Raleigh. <laughs> Who you know full well will be. It's gonna in be there right up in there. Going, hey, come on, then. Come on, then. <laughs> you want to shine my silver armor? Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So there are literally no winners in this situation. No, but no. she she now is forced to just kind of live with this pain and of what she you know allowed to happen because she was so prideful. Um, and this is fictional, possibly. Yes. We don't know. Yes, <laughs> it is. It, it is definitely some parts fictional um but we don't know if this happened we don't know if something like this happened ultimately um but it, i mean did, did makes... she did she really execute him in real life and they're just saying this is the reason i think he, why. he was executed yeah I'm, I'm almost certain about that he was executed why i couldn't we tell you but i'm almost yeah. certain he was executed okay but then again, Elizabeth I executed many people for various reasons. <laughs> Probably sometimes because she just didn't like them on the day. 
You could do that back then, Janine. Yeah. You could do that centuries ago. It's very brutal. It's barbaric. It's nonsense. You can't just go around executing people because you don't like them. <laughs> Doesn't Darn. work like that. Doesn't shouldn't work like that. The fact that it does work, the fact that it did work like that at one point is terrifying, but also deeply interesting. <laughs> I am um, I am fascinated by Elizabeth the first Elizabeth the first's uh, reign and time because it's also like Shakespeare's time. Yeah. And it's you know all, all all that 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 vibe. Everybody's wearing a ruff, you know. It's Blackadder. It's the second series of Blackadder. Yeah. You know, it's 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 which is the best series of Blackadder if you ask anybody. It's a very very interesting time in history. So for a movie like this to be here that shows us twisted fiction. You know, or twisted reality, not twisted fiction. That's doesn't make any sense. Twisted reality. It's very, very interesting. I'm a big fan of this movie. I like this movie. As far as as far as the Errol Flynn movies go, tough to compare because it's so different compared to the Swashbucklers. Yeah. Would you say it's for me? Like you know, I always gush so much about how I loved, absolutely loved seeing Gregory Peck be completely different to what we know him of in yeah. Roman Holiday, um, would you say this is kind of that for Errol Flynn? Not as dramatic. Okay. Gregory Peck is a stoic, stern, dramatic actor, and then he's just being silly and lovable in Roman Holiday. This is usual action-y, dynamic Errol Flynn, who's usually swashbuckly and quick-witted, being still romantic and witty. Just slightly more just, dramatic. Just not sprinting around all over the place. Okay. <laughs> and okay. jumping on trees and things like that. Okay. He, he's still ultimately the same. It's still ultimately the same kind of romantic leading man performance, which, of course, Errol Flynn is very, very good at. I mean... Yeah. You don't necessarily have to look too much into Errol Flynn's real life. Yes, okay, he was a bit weird with women, sure, in in real life. We get that. <laughs> He's a great romantic leading man. Yeah. yeah I see that. Everybody was weird with women. Most people are weird with women, or the women are weird with women. Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady that Janine's just watched is very weird with women. But Janine doesn't like Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. I do not. That is a rant for another day. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Um, I don't know why I just brought up Errol Flynn's real life and it's in it, in it, in it's to be honest, weirdness. I guess to just a, a testament to what a great actor he is that he does not seem very weird with women on screen. He seems to be a very no. strong leading man, a very strong romantic lead. So that's just a I testament mean, say, to his acting when I say ability. Weird with women. When I say weird with women, I mean like marrying sixteen-year-olds. Whoo! Okay. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean like like Charlie Chaplin level of no, not necessarily violent and horrible not hitchcock abusive. not hitchcock <laughs> abusive no not that just 
it was more accepted then, but it's still not really right, is it? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> it's just not. Errol. Yikes. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Good. On that note. <laughs> On that bombshell, Janine. Been a fun episode. I've enjoyed this. I've yes, enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, like I said, I, I'm not completely always drawn to movies like this, but I think the intrigue of it and combined with the uh performances being so well done and the production being beautiful, um, really elevated something that uh does have a kind of gossipy um a bit of a trashy i guess story um yeah. definitely um elevates it to something really interesting and intriguing so i really enjoyed this one quick answer this or lying in winter this oh yes. okay yes. okay i like that you answered quickly as well yes. because, I because i told you to do that and i wanted you to do that <laughs> well done Janine. well done very good love it what is Brilliant. my prize? Some uh, silver Your plated prize. armor. <laughs> you can have some silver plated armor. Yes. Okay. You can. You. you can choose next time's movie. That's your prize, Janine. That that's that can be your prize, can't it? Um, it's a wonderful podcast. This show that we are on right now is not the only show you can find on. The It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We also have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, where Janine forces me to watch things I haven't seen. It's really that simple. At the moment, we are doing a faith-based comedies series, which is very interesting. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a very, very fun series on Morgan Hasn't Seen. Uh, every Monday, we of course have Machine Mondays with Janine over there talking all her schmodown things. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Castbox, and everywhere else podcasts can be found. I've already done the Patreon. I've already plugged the Patreon. That happened before. So I will say you can also find the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel where we do the watch-alongs and other discussions and some videos of our own as well. We are trying to build up that YouTube channel. So go and do uh, all the subscribings and the notifications and the likes and that kind of stuff that people like to do on YouTube over there you can find the show on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple done with the three instead of the e in the because three is of course the magic number find janine on twitter at janine debean underscore janine debean on instagram and if you would like to buy any merch for any of our shows that we have you can find that on janine's uh, t public shop at G9Design. There we go. I think that's going to do it. I'm af I'm afraid I'm going to have to count us down as Janine has mysteriously vanished. She's not mysteriously vanished. There was a technical issue because they happen. But fortunately, it happened right at the end. Three, two, one. 
Bye.